In this week's episode of Studio Inter, we'll be joined by James Horncastle from BT Sport and The Athletic to talk all things Inter. We'll be reviewing the game against Udinese and the game against Pilsen, this week's Moji, Moratti and Frog, and much, much more. Everything here on Studio Inter, on LanSempreInter.com. Benvenuti, bentornati to another edition of Studio Inter. I'm your host, Nima Tuala-Iruzzari, wishing you back to an episode where we're, I don't think it's going to be that much positivity, even though Inter did beat Victoria Pilsen in the Champions League in a very in a very comfortable way. But then things were not were anything but comfortable and nice against Udinese. But before we get to all of that, let me start by introducing my panelists, starting with Semperinter.com feature writer who pens a weekly column called Five Things We Learned From Inter This Week. Jake Smalley, I suspect, Jake, this week's column will not be that much positive. There won't be, it won't be too positive this week, I suspect. No, I might need Mo to read over it for me and add some positivity into it, to be honest with you. It's going to be a hard read. Um, well, whilst we're on the subject, um, James might be able to help us with this one. How do we pronounce Victoria? Is it Pilsen? They were calling it Pligenia on BT. I'm really struggling with this. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I've always just said Pilsen. Uh, yeah, me too. Uh, so, I mean, I, I, I've Pilsen, never been there. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't asked to check. Um, but, um, but yeah, um, the second pronunciation seemed, uh, wild. Yes, I was, <laughs> um, but, uh, it is probably the right one. So go with that one, Jake. Uh, probably. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and we are, and that is Mr. James Horncastle from BT Sport and The Athletic. How are you doing, James? Long time no speak. How's things? Yeah, good. Great to, uh, great to chat to you all again. Um, as you just said, uh, could be in, in better days for <laughs> for your beloved Inter. Uh, mm. We'll we'll get to that soon enough. We absolutely will, and we are joined by Semprinter.com preview writer who previews Inter's games and is our in-house Mister Positivity. And this this week is going to be tough for him because there's not that much positivity going about, Mister Mohamed Nasser. Yeah, 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 I'm uh, very glum today, so. Uh... Happy oh. to get into the podcast, but uh, very little <laughs> positivity on my end. All righty then. Um, let's get to it then. Um, James, um, I mean, we haven't spoken, you haven't been on the pod for almost a year. I mean, there's been so much that's happened. <laughs> I'm, I'm keen to, I mean, if we discard the last season and, and the Radu Gate and, and all that stuff and everything that happened, then this summer, Inter, on paper, improved the squad in terms of depth. Um, in, I mean, if we look at it player by player, um, Romelu Lukaku is a better player than Felipe Caicedo. Um, Andre Onana is a better play, is a better goalkeeper than Andre Radu. Uh, Francesco Acerbi is arguably better than Andre Aranocchia. And Henrik Mkhitaryan and Cristian Aslani are better than Arturo Vidal and Matias Vecino, at least in Simon Inzaghi's system. Um, and, and, you know, Raul Bellanova as a backup and understudy to, to Denzel Dumfries is a good choice, in my opinion. And, and they got the replacement for Ivan Perisic in Robin Gorsens in January. And even though if Robin Gorsens is an improvement, he's not much of a weakness. So wh- where, where are you on 
I mean, what, what do you think about Inter's summer to start there? I mean, yes, we know what happened with Dybala and Bremen and the complete, you know, those 48 hours that were just horrible for Inter where everything kind of fell apart. But <laughs> where are you kind of looking? I mean, how, what, when you look at Inter's Mercato, what do you think about it? I think it was a very unsettling summer in many regards because you were up uh, for a week or so when you signed Lukaku and everyone thought that that was impossible, but you did it. And simultaneously negotiations were going on with Paolo Dybala. And as you mentioned, when that collapsed or, you know, Inter, I think, weren't expecting to be able to bring Lukaku back. It was something that Lukaku wanted to do, um, but it then made signing Dybala impossible, really. Um, I, I think that took some while to absorb um, and all of a sudden the way we were projecting how Inter's market would unfold you know it, it never really materialized it, it started with Lukaku it felt like it was going to then go to Dybala then go to Bremer maybe even Milenkovic um, and, and so I felt that yeah, the way the window ended, it felt like a lot of Inter fans were not satisfied with it, um, that it had promised a lot and delivered relatively little, which, you know, it, it's quite remarkable to say that when Lukaku was back at the club just a year after being sold for 115 million euro. Um, but it doesn't feel like that. And it doesn't feel like that because Lukaku... You know, hasn't been available uh, for the fast uh, the last four league games, um, and you know you can understand him being in Belgium, rehabbing um, with you know his own kind of personal physio at sort of the Belgium training ground um, with the World Cup in mind. Um, you know he's he's not an Inter player; uh, he's on loan uh, Inter from Chelsea, um, mm. and I think it's going to be it's going to be very interesting to see how the rest of the season. Um, unfolds with Lukaku and uh, and whether he can pick up where he left off um, and whether the situation at Chelsea has changed in a way now that there is a, a possibility he goes back and he plays for Chelsea um, because there's been a, a change of manager there which you know I think it, it does it does alter things um, but um, but I mean to, just to go back to the squad um, I look at into an uh, uh, I think Onana is is someone who, you know, that that's a, that's a good signing um, on a free transfer. You know, someone who can either provide better competition with Handanovic, Handanovic or succeed Handanovic. Um, you look at some of the signings on paper, like uh, Aslani. You know, this time last last year, Aslani, as talented as he is, wasn't starting for Empoli. Mm. Um, Samuele Ricci was and and mm. you know, one was talking about how good a player Ricci is and it was only when Ricci was sold to to Torino in, in January that Aslani got game time and, and started to play so uh, you know we, we are going to see a bit more of Aslani I, I would hope over the um, over the coming weeks after the international break because Brozovic has already got five yellow cards um, you know I think we Perhaps should have seen more of Aslani already, um, but we've only seen half an hour. Um, and 
you know, I, I wonder if that's because it's it's too much too soon for him uh, yeah. right now. I think the same with Belanova. I know Belanova's had a full season playing in the second division with Pescara. I know he's played a full season with Cagliari. Um, but I'm not convinced that he's ready now for a team like Inter. Um, and and so, you know, watching watching the team at the moment, I feel like it's an old team. Um, mm. I, I feel like it's almost played together for too long now. Um, and it needs refreshing. Um, now, it's kind of easy to say that when you look at um, you know, particularly what Napoli have done where you know, they, they got rid of Insigne, Khalidou Koulibaly and, and, and Mertens and kind of invigorated the team with, with the signings. Um, but I mean, if you contrast the mood at Napoli um, at the beginning of the transfer window at Inter, it's completely different. You know, Inter were euphoric. Napoli fans were depressed. Completely depressed. I, I I remember interviewing Vincenzo Credendino for the Italian Football Podcast, and he was talking. I mean, they were they were revolting. Like they were absolutely fuming yeah. um, in the beginning of the window. Yeah. So uh, and that's completely changed. Um, but you know, there is a there is a feeling that this this inter team is a bit stale. Um, you know, at the moment because you know we saw this. More or less the same group of players, give or take, you know, Perisic, and we'll, we'll, we'll get to him, uh, I imagine, in a few minutes. But um, yeah, it's it, it's it's the same team uh, as last year, and yet the performances um, are, are are way off. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at you know some of the goals that Inter are conceding, um, they're really worrying because. Um, I mean, th- th- there are kind of repeat offenders in terms of, you know, the, the, the Felipe Anderson's goal um, for Lazio. It, it, it comes from Milinkovic-Savic having all the time on the world on the ball. No one pressures him. No. Um, and he plays the ball over the top and yeah, Inter's defence is kind of scrambling for position and they concede. If you watch the... Um, I think it's the Leao goal um, that is ultimately the winning goal in the Madrid. Mm-hmm. It's a Benacer long ball from out on the sideline that Giroud knocks down and Leao, you know, with that brilliant surfer-like ability that he has, then goes past the the, the inter-centre-backs. But even the, the way the inter-centre-backs inter defended that long ball was, was poor. And then you, you, you watch the Bayern goal, the first one. Where, yeah, same thing there. You know, like Lautaro should be pressuring the ball. And instead, he doesn't see the danger. They play a ball over the top. And, and Sané, we all know how quick Sané is. Um, and at the weekend as well, you know, I mean, Udinese deserved to win that game. Um, certainly as it became more stretched, we I think we all felt that they were going to score and they could score more. You know, mm. De La Feu had hit the post. Um, Handanovic had made a couple of saves from Lovridge. But, I mean, if you look at the, the final goal and the the attitude of the players, um, you know, I think there are two players over where Arslan is, who ultimately scores that third goal. And the, the, the really surprising one is Barella. Barella just isn't interested. Just, um, 
you know, isn't either isn't paying attention or is too tired to kind of um, to care. And it's the sort of thing that I would I would think Antonio Conte would be going absolutely crazy about. Um, and you know, I, I wonder if Inzaghi is that kind of manager that can um, uh, kind of instill that sort of mentality in this in this players because. You know, I think this has been said before, but you, you see it at other clubs. You know, after, after they've been, you know, coached um, within an inch of their lives by a really good manager, you know, that mentality and the muscle memory kind of endures for a year and then it can kind of wear off. And uh, as much as Inzaghi brought something new to Inter last year, you know, they played higher up the pitch, they had more of the ball, they were creating more chances. Um it does feel like a something's gone stale, and b maybe there is a bit of a hangover from last season. You know, losing the the the, the title on the final day. Mm. And, and my last point on this is, you know, the situation within the club itself, because you know you have yeah. Skriniar who thinks all summer he's going to Paris Saint Germain, not because he necessarily wants to. I mean, it's a great opportunity for him. He would make a lot more money, but it's because the club needed to sell him yeah. and they wanted too much money. And now, yeah, the, the real risk is that he will do what Perisic did and, and leave on a free transfer, which is, is I think, disastrous. Um, Completely disastrous. For, for, Completely for the, disastrous. For the club. You had Gosens and, you know, the whole Gosens thing is just um, perplexing. You know, I mean, I think when they signed him, uh, people thought he would instantly take Perisic's place. And instead, Perisic rose to the competition and was Inter's best player in the second half of last season. Um, and Gosens never got a look in. And, and whether the injury that he had against Atalanta, when he was at Atalanta, has really he had been damaging um, and, and and whether he he's one of those Atalanta players who comes out of a, of a, of a system um, that is, you know, Gasperiniano and mm. goes into another one and it's not the same. I don't know, but into a playing with Dadamian every week as left wing back. And, you know, I mean, Dadamian is, is, is a very good squad player and a very good, team player I mean he came up with some clutch goals in contest Scudetto winning season yeah but you know if, if Darmian is is going to be your guy in, in what was a really key position for Inter last year that's that's a problem um mm. and and yet you know Gosens had this offer on the final final few days of yeah. the window and you know I mean I remember that I can't remember who they played but Chalanolu was in a post-match interview and they said oh yeah you, you know Gosens is going to Leverkusen. He was like, "What?" And yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and I, and I, I just think that that whole, and I think you can see this with Juventus as well, because I, I, I think when after year one of Cristiano, it was clear that they, you know, they did win the Champions League, and they were they they had to make money in the transfer market. They had to bring in money in the transfer market, and all of a sudden it felt like everybody at Juventus was for sale. And I think gradually the kind of winning enamel of that team, that sense of belonging, which Italians always say is so important as a component to a winning team and winning environment, began to dissolve. And I, I think that's that's kind of what's happening with Inter, where you know you you know 
you seem to go from week to week. I, I remember the first weeks of the transfer window. It's like, is Bastoni staying? Are Spurs going to sign him? And you've got his agent coming in and out of the, the, the headquarters saying, no, no, he's, you know, he's staying, blah, blah, blah. You've got the Skriniar thing that goes on for ages. Um, you've got Dumfries. You know, is Dumfries going to be a bargaining piece with Chelsea for Lukaku or is he going to be mm. sold separately? Uh, and I think all of these things are destabilizing. And, Absolutely. And, and, and players think, well, how long are we going to be here? Um, and, uh, you know, as, as, I, as, I, as I said at the top of that point, um, the idea of losing a player as valuable as Skriniar for free, so you know, a year after losing Perisic for free, for a club that is in the position that it's in, is really, really uh, inexcusable. Mm. I, I think, I don't know a single Inter fan that wouldn't disagree with that. And, and Suning are at the heart of that. And Steven Zhang is at the heart of that. And he doesn't seem to offer much of anything other than drive a new car to that to, to the Inter HQ and, and say stupid things whenever he speaks, which mean absolutely nothing. <laughs> um, and it's quite obvious that he absolutely is just, he doesn't have, I mean, he's not the one who decides. I mean, Suning are essentially just... You know, the the Zhang family don't really control all of Suning anymore as the Chinese government has gone in and saved them. And, and you know, with with the clock ticking with Oak Tree, uh, the loan that has to be repaid by 2024. Um, and will they be able to do that? Well, they were talking about, you know, 60 million plus the plus last year. You know, you can add up. But, uh, but then also we also know that you can't take money out that way as an owner because it's not Inter who've borrowed that money. It's it's uh, Great Horizon, which is the company that owns Inter, using Inter as collateral. They have they have loaned that money. Mm. So, I mean, there there is that. And and, and, that, and I agree with that. This the, You know, this is why I think that I, I will always be grateful to what Suning have done, taking a club that was never, well, you know, taking them into the 21st century but that they've reached the ceiling and uh, they can't take this club any further. And I think this, this summer proves that you, you know, the, the, just proves that just exactly proves that you could, they can't sell any players until Pinamonti goes for whatever, you know, around 15, 20 million. Casade goes for around 20 million, you know, I mean, including add-ons. And then you have the Gregorio deal, which was made the year, year before Gravilon as well. And, and and clubs know that you know Inter are in a weak position, so they're they're going to drag it out, um, and and that also hurts Inter. Uh, this is just not a way to run a football club. But we'll see. I still don't think that anything will happen. I don't think Suning will leave until or, or sell until two things. First, the fate of the European Court of Justice ruling on the European Super League is decided. And secondly, once the uh, council has, you know, the Milan City Council have decided what will happen with this, uh, uh, with a new stadium. I think once those two things are decided, then uh, we'll see Sooning leave because um, both of those two things will raise the value of the club. Um, and I think that's, then we can talk about reaching the level at which uh, the the valuation reaches the level that that Suning wanted to, at least in, close by. But you know, clock is ticking. We'll see. Um, I want to talk about the football too. Um, um, I mean, I personally always think that, always thought that Paulo Dybala, given how Inzaghi wants to play, um, I think Paulo Dybala suits Inter more than Romelu Lukaku does. <laughs> um, 
I mean, the the Simone Inzaghi Inter, anyway. Uh, and I think I, I wanted to hear your points, I hear your thoughts on this as well, because the way I see it is Simone Inzaghi prepared a preseason where he was going to play with a higher defensive line, where Skriniar was leaving, De Frey was leaving, and the replacements were going to be um, were going to be Milenkovic and Bremer. I mean, he even came out and said that pretty much before the friendly against Lugano, we're going to buy a central defender. And then if they didn't end up buying a central defender and they made him look like an idiot. Um, and, and I think he prepared for that to play with a higher line, which in turn means that the midfield will be pressing higher up. And if you have Dybala and Lautaro, you'll be pressing higher up as well. I think all of that went out the window. Without Dybala, no Bremer, no Milenkovic. He had to beg on his hands and knees him on Inzaghi to get Francesco Acerbi um, to replace Andrea Ranocchia. Um, and since then, I, I look at it as him lowering the defensive line, but the midfield is confused. And the attack as well, like you said, you know, why isn't Lautaro and Barella pressing? Uh, or 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 Brozovic, etc., etc. And I think they have. The, I think this the the, conf, the tactical confusion is there. Then you also have the Stefan de Frey, who's you know it's the Handanovic, uh, it's Handanovic 2.0. I was worried about this when about a year and a half ago uh, that are we seeing a decline? And I mentioned it after the derby defeat against Giroud when Giroud. Sigira Giroud, <laughs> when 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 he turn, when when you get turned by Olivier Giroud, then questions need to be asked. I mean, the man's is qu- I mean, he has the he has the you know you know a turning radius of a refrigerator from 1955, so it doesn't exactly go quickly. So all of these things together is where I stand with this, and I think it's a bit of a perfect storm. I'm keen to hear your thoughts on that, both the Dybala thing, the Defray thing, and also the tactical aspect of playing with a higher defensive line and players not coming and now moving it down again. I would have been curious to see Dybala play with Dzeko. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I think there, there are a couple of things. I mean, often last season, you know, Lautaro liked to come short into the areas that Jekyll likes to come short and play in. Um, and uh, they're both, you know, they're, they're, they're both players who like to be involved. They like touches. Um, I, I, I wonder with Dybala whether this would be a, a, a this would be a bit of a, an issue. Um, yeah, just because, yeah, Dybala likes to play um, sort of in that kind of right half space, um, you know, play off a striker, um, come short, add an additional midfield player in the build-up. Um, and I just wonder how that would kind of work, um, you know, within this within this setup. Um, because again, uh, you know, I think what Allegri was quite astute at seeing with Dybala and I think it's something that Mourinho sees as well is that you know he's a player who um, is often very good when you give him lots of space in front of him um, and you give him the if you play as a, in a deep block and you have a quick combination um, you know he's got the, the kind of aerobic ability to kind of run with the ball um, jink pass players um, and I just, I, I'm not sure that's what kind of inter setup was going to be this year. I always just thought that Dybala would have been an extravagance really for them. Um, and, 
uh, yeah, and I, I look at it the same with Lukaku. Like, I thought what was really good with Conte was, you know, Conte understood Lukaku probably like no one else, um, apart from maybe some of Roberto Martinez and and uh, Steve Clark, uh, West, you know, all, all like-minded coaches. But, um, yeah, he would play with a low block. Um, they'd often get it. They'd often play through um, the press and they would have a quick combination sort of um, with this sort of pulley mechanism of one coming short, the other going in profondita. Um, and uh, and it worked really well. And they had Hakimi. And Lukaku is great at having lots of wide space running at defences. He scored those ludicrous goals where he'd essentially carry the ball from the halfway line, um, which made City Alec really stupid, I thought, a lot of the time. And I just think now, you know, with this with the way that Inzaghi was 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 playing last year with this kind of higher line, possession based um system, I, I wondered, you know, is does Lukaku fit into that? Can he be as good in that in that different interpretation of the same system as he was with Conte, um, you know I don't know, and I, you know I, I have some of the same you know feeling with 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 Dybala um, as well. So so there's that. My the, you know some of the observations that I have this season, yeah, the the one it's 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 not it's not really Divrai. You know I think even Divrai for me at 31, okay, he's had a few. He's had a few bad games. He hasn't looked, hasn't always looked fit. And uh, but I still think if 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 he's healthy and he's he's um, he's composed, he's a, he's a, certainly a good guy to have there. Um, my sort of issue really is well, not an issue, but the, the thing I'm alarmed by is Bastoni this year. <laughs> Bastoni, um, I don't know what's happening with Bastoni um, um, because I think he is you know the best young Italian centre-back um, out there you know he's and he, he's not a Rugani he's not a Romagnoli you know he wasn't you know kind of declared too good too soon he's shown he's he is very very good um, but this year he doesn't he doesn't bring the ball out anymore he doesn't join in in attacks. This is the thing that Bastoni does. You know, he creates numerical super, super superiority high up the pitch. Uh, um, and he's not doing that. And I don't understand why. I don't know whether it's an instruction from the coach. I don't know whether it's because he's lacking fitness. Um, and I can imagine it's quite frustrating because we've seen Di Marco play left centre-back sometimes this year. Um, and, you know, we saw... We saw Bastoni's reaction to being sobbed for uh, after half an hour for for being on a booking um, at the weekend, um, and I think that's that's the kind of thing that just compounds what must be a very frustrating start to the season. And, and so I, I think that that is an aspect that is is not being getting the kind of attention that it, it merits. Um, I think it also means Brozovic is more exposed. Brozovic is. Not as clean a passer as he had, as he was last season. He's given the ball away more this year. Um, he's still come up big, you know. I mean, his goal in the uh, Derby de la Madonina, the opener. It's just a shame that you know they they they, um, they couldn't stop Milan from uh, from scoring. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, incidentally, in that game, Mike Minian was Milan's best player. Um, yeah, Inter did, yeah, Inter had 20 minute blackout, um, but they still created enough chances to get a point out of that game or something out of that game. Um, Kozovic scored that late, late winner uh, against Torino, but I, I do think without having a centre back who's going to step out and get forward in the way Bastoni and Skriniar did, you know, it's kind of easier to hunt for. Them. But my issue with the fry uh, is is that I I see a clear decline. I mean, against and and it's I mean against the in the derby, he played like a school child. I yeah, mean, he, I, I think he, all three of them did. And like the, the, this, the worrying thing for me is like Skriniar, like I mean, what what what's his body position on that second Bayern goal? Where yeah. Yeah. And and again, I think he's probably unlucky in the first goal against Udinese. Yeah, you know, two of the three goals yeah. against Udinese set pieces, but it kind of comes off him. And uh, you know, I mean, and, and then again, like uh, I I think these guys aren't getting a lot of help from the midfield. No, they're not. No, they're not. And and, and I mentioned the Barella, you know, Barella on the third Udinese goal. I mean, if you look at the Giroud goal um, in the Madonina. Yeah, uh, Barella runs across to Leao and the ball goes through his legs. Um, and, I mean, you can, you can then kind of look at the guys in the box and say, why is Shiru in so much space? Chalinoli, what are you doing? Or why isn't the defender stepping up? Um, and that's, that's the other thing that I just find baffling about Inter. Um, is they, they stand off teams. Yeah, they don't press. There's they, no pressing. It's it's It's... It's incredible. It's incredible how they stand off to. And I don't know whether it's like a, it's a tiredness thing or I mean it's we're we're only nine games into the season, you know, with with Champions League. Um, and I, I think this then goes back to my point about this group of players being, yeah, needing freshening up. Um, and uh, and yeah, it's 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 pretty. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty concerning. Um and, and and you know I mean the other thing is 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 you know Vidal as much as he was like um you know turned into a bit of a joke figure he was earning a ridiculous salary. I think Vidal is it was was readier to come off the bench than some of these other guys and the same goes for Alexis Sanchez. Alexis hmm. for me as much as he was Oi, chicos! Uh, <laughs> sort of sort out his his payoff. I mean, yeah, people forget what I mean. What a great, highly played option he was off the bench. I mean, he scores the winner in the, the last kick of the game in the super in the super cup. I think he had twenty five goals and assists in his yeah. Uh, yeah. in his time at Inter, and he's just a more dependable decisive player match winner than Korea or you know no, don't get me started on Korea so I, th- I think yeah they've, they've they've brought in you know I mean even like signing a chair to be okay like I know a chair to be is someone in Zaghi knows you know when Chiellini was out injured for a year he was the guy partnering Bonucci for the national team um, I think you know all the stuff that went on between him and Lazio, and the Lazio ultras ultimately you know made his kind of time there you know it was it was untenable but he was a good player but he's an old player um, and again the team 
you know, as much as you look at Aslani and Belanova, the team gets older or the team is the same. Uh, it, but it's the same without the good guys. Um, well, yeah, I mean, there are obviously still some very good players at Inter, but the Perisic's, the Eriksons, the Hakimis. Um, and uh, and I think you know, like you know, in Italy they always they always talk about the the, the you know if if you if you pull the cover too far up, you know your your feet get cold. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think it, I think we're seeing this with Inter now. Um, and you know that's and and you've got a manager who uh, deserved to get that job. I think had a good first season. Okay, they don't retain their title, but there were some really good moments in there, and ultimately. They had so many match points to win that season. It's it, uh, it's kind of it's kind of maddening that they they didn't win it. Um, yeah, Lautaro missing the penalty in the first Madonina. Yeah, Di Marco missing the penalty against Atalanta. Um, the Radu mistake. You know, if it, they're they're one nil up and in control in the second Madonina. They're seven points clear. Yeah. Um, it's you know that they. they they were good enough to be in that position, um, and um, you know, I, 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 it's it's. I think you know that that meant. I, I think the. It's just now that there is um, now that there's that they are a year older and another difference maker is gone, and we're we're yet to see. What Lukaku brings beyond the tap in against Lecce, um, uh, it's you know it, it's it is quite uh, concerning, and it's a, a, and the manager has got to 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 show in his second season a that he can um, he can improve himself, b that he learned the mistakes from last year, and we and I think that's the thing that's probably been a bit of uh, a source of dissatisfaction among his Inter fans to see. You know, putting Gagliardini on Milinkovic Savic in the in the Lazio game. Um, well, that, I mean, to be fair, that isn't that, that was Conte's Frankenstein monster that he created. The Gagliardini is a good is good at block is, is good at neutralizing Sergei Milinkovic Savic. That's not an invention. That's not an Inzaghi invention. That's a Conte invention. It's yeah, annoying, but, but it's an invention. It worked. It worked for Conte. Yeah. Like 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 if why can't Inzaghi make it work for him? And that that makes me think. Okay. Uh, yeah. W- there's, there's a difference between Conte and Inzaghi. Um, and. And as, as as I said, as much as Inzaghi is a very good coach, he deserved to be where he is. There are two there are too many occasions this season and last where you you question the manager's decisions. And you know, I mean, he he referred to it to himself when you know Inter kind of got themselves back in the title race. We spent two or three months discussing my substitutions, and it's like, well. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and it wasn't without justification. Um, <laughs> so there, there's so much going on with Inter um, that you know it's it's amazing how you start the season and the broad consensus is Inter have got the most talented squad or Juventus have got the most talented squad, and yet there's dysfunction in both of those clubs. Um, that is. Uh, it seems to be kind of putting a break on um, on the talent 
that is available to to them. Um, and 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 you know we're we're seeing clubs take advantage of it. Milan took advantage of it last season. You know maybe maybe Napoli, maybe Atalanta, maybe Milan again take advantage of it this season. We don't. Yeah, we'll have to see. Hmm. Right, I'm going to hand you over to Mo and then Jake. Mo, if, if you have the question for um, for James, go right ahead. Yeah, James, uh, thank you very much for this uh, very long uh, session where uh, you have uh, really aired out everything, all the grievances that uh, Intervisti have. And like, um, I always really enjoy your analyses, man. It's, uh, it, yeah, the sense of dysfunction is, is, uh, it's very palpable. My question to you would be then, you know, what next? Now you're you're Marotta. What what do you do? I mean, there's a lot of I mean, unsurprising, there are a lot of talk of Inzaghi out. You know, maybe, maybe not. Inzaghi out, but who next? But also, even if we keep Inzaghi to the end of the season, which you know, I, I would be inclined to believe is the right thing to do anyway. Uh what next? Do you, do you then assess Inzaghi's progress and see if he's the right manager moving on? Or do you think that uh, a big part of the freshening up is that, uh, you know, Inzaghi uh, rightfully got the job, like you say, and then uh, wasn't able to really step up to the plate when it mattered and we find someone else uh, on the market? So, yeah, that's, that's my question to you. Thanks, Mo. Um... <laughs> Look, I think it's tricky. If I'm if I'm Marotta, I'm thinking, um, you know, what else is there to do in this project? You know, I mean, yeah, the, when when Inter won the league with with Conte, it was about keeping Conte. Um, they couldn't keep Conte, um, and then it was like, okay, we'll get in Zaghi, and you know, we, our objective is still the same. It's the second. It's the second star. Let's get the twentieth Scudetto. Um, and you look at it and you think, well, what are our what are our prospects of doing that now? You know, it'd be great to actually, I'm going to say, go out on that because, you know, I, I think I think Marotta probably, I don't think there's another big club job in there for him, but I could I could see him becoming the either a president of Serie A or president of the Fiji Chi um, at some stage. Um, um, in terms of like short term, like I mean, it's a it's a it's a it's an interesting season. You know, we we're gonna have, I would say, quite a high pressure start to this run into the World Cup because Interplay Roma um, when when the international break ends, and then there's the double header against Barcelona, which um, is gonna be. Is going to be interesting. I mean, I, I think you know th- there are parts of the buying game where Inter played well and looked like they could have got something out of that, but it didn't really feel in step with what we saw from Inter in the big Champions League games last season. Um, I think the problem is that, um, and I, I wrote this about Juventus today uh, on on the Athletic, is that if you're if you're a big Italian club like Inter and Juve. You know that has been kind of hit by COVID. You're making huge losses. Um, yeah, you, you've given. Yeah, in yeah, Allegri's case, he's got. Yeah, I mean, pretty much three years left on his deal. 
Um, Inzaghi signed a new contract at the end of last season. I mean, Kinsey is justified in in getting that new deal on the back of doing the double and getting the club out of the Champions League group stage is for the first time in a long time. But the reason why kind of fans are are looking at this and saying, ah, you know, come on, we need to get rid of the manager, otherwise we're going to miss out on the Champions League, is, uh, we, you know, we can't afford to miss out on the Champions League. I mean, it, it just goes to show how, uh, outside of the Premier League, how, uh, uh, and outside, you know, let's say Bayern Munich, um, the, the the way European football is formatted is, is really dysfunctional because um, it's like, you have to spend money, i.e. sack Allegri, sack Inzaghi, hire a new guy who you guys are all going to be happy with. <laughs> like, no, no, no. I want to, I want Inzaghi to stay. I, I, I don't, I'm not but, on that train at but, all. Okay, okay. so my, my, my broader point is you're going to have to spend money in order not to lose money. Okay. Which, mm. how... Is that sustainable? That isn't. <laughs> that, that, that is not. That is not how any other industry works. Mm. It's 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 mad, and that's why I am, in some respects, pro European football reform, pro a new model, whether that's a Super League, Continental Super League, whatever. Because honestly, mm. it, it it can't go on like this. No. Specific how we can spend forty five minutes discussing Inzaghi's substitutions, Inter's recruitment, Suning. The way the whole thing is set up is 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 it makes sustainability very difficult, and so I I would I would think that the inclination is kind of what Nima's just you know alluded his own feeling is is that Inzaghi you have to make it work with Inzaghi, mm. you you, uh, you you have to make it work until uh, and you have to believe that he's good enough and this team is good enough to get into the Champions League. And then you can make a decision in the summer, and it's. I think it's exactly the same with Allegri, because the the you know your your the idea of having to spend money in order not to lose money for clubs in 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 you know I mean ultimately, Juventus are guaranteed by their shareholders who are much in a much better position <laughs> yeah. than 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 Inter are with Suning, but ultimately if if you're looking at um if you're looking at it it. I think it, it, it's it's a decision that they would be extremely re- reluctant to make to sack to sack a manager um, at this moment in time. Um, and it's just like if if they were to do that, I look around and I off the top of my head, like I think who would come in? You know. Like, well, that's the thing though. People saying, "Oh, bringing Thomas Tuchel." Okay, so what are you going to do with Romelu Lukaku? He's going to literally be on the same train. He's going to be on the same flight that takes Tuchel <laughs> to Milan on that flight on the way out. I mean, there's there's no logic. Like, just, that'd be really funny. I uh, mean, it, it would no. It's not funny at all. <laughs> um, it's yeah. horrible, James. Stop it! You're giving me a panic attack. Like seriously, it's like there's no. I mean, I, I, sacking the manager for me is is one of those things. I understand more if people want to get rid of Allegri at Juve because he's actually gotten the players he wants. Simone Inzaghi, I mean, look, I mean, even if you look at net transfers, what was it? Plus 140 last summer yeah. and barely anything this summer. This guy's not been backed. I mean, this is one of the reasons where I, which I was very critical of Antonio Conte because it, it cost too much. You, you, you spent your club record, you broke it twice to bring in two fantastic players 
but you also paid him 12 million euros net a season you couldn't afford it and now you're 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 kind of trying to make it work after a pandemic which was dreadful and so it feels a little bit like you sold your soul for one scudetto <laughs> um, and and it's and and cuz you know every you know we have a saying in sweden sweden swedish that look you know everyone's king of the bar on payday but then the <laughs> but but the bill has to be paid and the bills come now and no one everyone's looking at each other well i didn't have that beer i didn't have that like this is it's ridiculous it's not sustainable and i know for a fact that suning worked hard to make inter sustainable i know for a fact i've spoken to people who you know at the club and maybe not there anymore we spoke about the work they did to to fix the finances and they got carried away with conte i mean they they did they couldn't afford it the same way that juve couldn't afford cristiano ronaldo and that came crashing down Inter couldn't afford Antonio Conte and everything that they spent on him. And now they're kind of left financially. Okay, the pandemic helped. The, you know, the geopolitical tensions between China and, and the West have definitely added to this because China's no longer even investing in football anymore. Their own domestic Chinese Super League just completely fell apart. Uh, they don't want capital leaving the country, etc. But, you know, that, that's all true. But at the same time, there are no shortcuts. And I wonder if it's a little bit like that. I mean, that's how I see it anyway, a little bit. And I wonder what you think. And then I want to go to Jake. Um, yeah, uh, no, totally. Uh, I think they, they did get carried away. Um, but, you know, I mean, on the one hand, if you hire Conte, you, you, you know that he's going to push you to back him. Uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that was very diplomatic. <laughs> and uh, yeah. and with and likewise, Inzaghi knew what he was getting into. Um, you know, I mean, he didn't expect them to sell Lukaku, but um, he knew that that they had to make um, make ends meet in 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 such a way. Um, I think he has got some players that he's wanted. Acerbi. Korea, you know, I mean, the, the Lazioification of Inter as, as uh, yeah, at least there, there are a couple of bits there. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, look, I, I look at the guys who are available. Dezedby is no longer available. Um, but, you know, I mean, you're talking, if you look at the guys on the market, Zidane, um, no, Zidane will wait and see what happens with France and he's probably way too expensive um, for Inter. Tuchel, Pochettino, I mean, these guys have either been, I mean, both of them have taken Paris Saint-Germain money recently. They've worked in the Premier League. Um, you know, they're going to have uh, high salary demands in the event a club like Inter is looking for a new manager. Um, so I think it's 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 pretty tricky um, to, to go and and find someone, you know, bring back Claudio Ranieri. Remember the Ranieri? Uh, <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> don't, don't. Yeah. Sorry, Mo. Yeah, that's that's that's. Yeah, I I think they they find a way to make it work and and and, and stick with it. Right, uh, Jake. I, you... I say, uh, we. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, go on, sorry. No, no, sorry. Go ahead, Jake. No, no, wait, uh, sorry. Sorry, uh, Jake. Go ahead. Jake, you're, did you have a question for James? And uh, then the floor is yours. I did. And then he answered two of the questions that I'd already prepared. So I've had to pick up one a little bit off the top of it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, before I actually ask my question, I can't believe no one's mentioned Walter Mazzari there as a potential. <laughs> Please <to>. stop. Please <laughs> stop. <laughs> Sorry. No, um, I was going to ask about Robin Gilson's and you kind of answered that for me because I was a bit irritated by the whole situation. 
And then I was going to ask you a bit about Lukaku, and then you sort of answered what I was going to ask you anyway. But I wanted to sort of go on a bit more of a positive note, and I wanted to ask you about Lautaro Martinez. In my opinion, this season he's gone up another level. He's shown a little bit more... Well, more so his game seems to have developed over the summer. It looks a bit more of a goal threat. Um, where do you see his ceiling this season? Uh, yeah, I, I think Lautaro... He has been into his best player this season. Um, I think he's had to take on more responsibility uh, for a couple of reasons. Um, he wanted that extension. He got it. Um, he was very clear that he wanted to stay in Milan. Um, and I think he's showing that. I think he's... Um, I think that he feels like he has to show it to World Cup here. Um, and, you know, I, th- I think he absolutely wants to be um, starting striker for, for Argentina um, and takes that really seriously. Um and I also think he's had to kind of step up because for the kind of structural issues with the team that we've discussed so far this season, you know, not having a Perisic, um, you know, you're coping with Dadmian, um, Barella, okay, Barella had that great assist for, for Brozovic against Torino, scored that free kick at the weekend. But, you know, Barella hasn't really been up to the same standard that he showed this time last year. So Lautaro's had to kind of grab games by the scruff of, of the neck. Um, I was really impressed with, you know, what he did in the in, in that first goal in the Milan derby where he he knew how to get the better of Kalulu, and hardly anybody gets the better of Kalulu, um, you know, by pinning him and not allowing him to stand off him and have that extra yard of, of pace to, to, to make sure he just snuffs Lautaro out. So I, I, I would like to see Lautaro fight for the Capo Cananieri this season um, because it's not something that he's really come close to either because Immobile always scores 36 goals or, or, or whatever. Um, but um, I kind of want I kind of want the La to be to, to, to be more important than the Lou this 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 mm-hmm. this season. I, I, because you know, I I, I think he's you know for, for, he does he does step up in big games, Lautaro. Um, and you no, know, I I just think this feels like it could be his year to really. You know, I mean, he's he's already a scudetto and he's won everything there is to win domestically now. Um, but I think he can really stamp his authority on this team. Uh, and and yeah, I just you know, but at the same time, I don't want him to have such a good season where you know, come next summer, he'll be the he'll be the next guy on the on, on the Premier League shopping list. You know, the, or the or the or the or the, or the one that um, that Suning basically decide, okay, right, it's time to make a sacrifice um, because you know, I mean, if Lukaku had gone to Chelsea, he would have gone to Tottenham. You know, <laughs> you know, so it's. Um, I don't know. It's it's kind of bittersweet, but I, I do think he's um, as much as the body language of some of the interplayers has been off this season. His hasn't, um, and you know I think that's and he's had to play with so many different partners this year. He plays with Correa one week, he plays with Jeko the next, he plays with Lukaku. You know, like uh, it's that's not easy, um, and I think he's sh- he's shown he can still deliver doing that. Um, so so yeah. 
it'd be good to see. Good, it'd be good to see an Argentine win the Capucan in the area. So you're saying, so you're saying Lautaro, and I, and I, I couldn't agree with you more because I think what we saw, I, I never thought he could become Lautaro, could become uh, a killer in the box. I always looked at him more as a nine and a half and a seconda punta more than a prima punta. But I think from March onwards, when he's turned into this killer and he's becoming now that his physique and physically, I mean that that goal in the derby from Brozovic when he's he's turning into a physical monster when he can hold off hold off defenders. With his just with strength, and also the goal he scored against, um, I think Cremonese. Uh, you know, he he looks better than he's ever been. So yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I think he'll score more than Lukaku, but I don't see him being a Cavalcaniere. I hope you're right. Um, before we let you go, I want to I want to I want to have your top six, one to six, uh, in the Serie A predictions. Uh, uh, I hate doing you this. Don't, yeah, uh, I know, I know, but you don't need to. You don't need to like explain why. You can just list them one to six. Okay. Um, Napoli. Mm. Um, That's my dark horse, by the way. Yeah. Uh, are Napoli a dark horse anymore? Um, I'm not sure they are. I think they're not for uh, the Serie A title. I mean, I think they are because Paletti hasn't ever won anything important, and Napoli hasn't won anything since. Well, Zenit. Yeah, it took Mourinho 14 years to win a trophy. Yeah, I mean, you know, Spalletti won things with Roma when he was way undermatched, you know, mm. against yeah. mm. Um He's a brilliant coach. Again, no, I, really I think so as well. Spalletti. I think in terms of individual he's, development of players, I mean, he's unbelievable. From Brozovic to Lobotka to, I mean, we've seen it all the time, so I'm with you on that. Okay, Napoli, uh, Milan, um, Atalanta. Oh, um, Inter. Oh, oh, no Champions League for Juve. Okay. Well, you said no particular order, right? Okay. No, 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 no. I went from one to six. Who's gonna win? Who's gonna finish second, third, fourth? Come on. <laughs> um. No, I, I think this is the year that you uh, fall out of the Champions League. Okay. Mm. Look, I mean, this time last year. We were all saying that, and they went on a very good run between November and March, mm. where they even got themselves in the title conversation, yeah. uh, and people were getting excited. Um, so, yeah, that's not beyond the realm of possibility. I just think their strategy is kind of quite mm, interesting. In in you know you, you sign Pogba when you know that Pogba um, his last few seasons at Manchester United, it was, it, you know, it was difficult to get him on the pitch and get him fit and get him at his best. Di Maria is the age Di Maria is. Um, um, so, you know, they've, they've got a lot of things to sort out there. Um, mm, you know, fair enough. It, um, Roma. So, Na- so, yeah, so Napoli, Milan, Atalanta, Inter, Juve and Roma or Roma before Juve? Uh, Roma, Roma, Roma before you were. Oh, your Roma. Oh, if, if Allegri finishes six, there will be. Oh, oh dear. I might have to move over to, to the UK and, and, and personally mend to my colleague on the pod, uh, Carlo Garganese, because he might just absolutely blow a fuse if you <laughs> end up finishing six. Um, I, okay, well, I, I hope you, I mean, I'd rather Napoli win it than Milan win it. I'll tell you that much. Um but yeah, other than that, I hope you're wrong and that Inter can come back. <laughs> I really do, but it doesn't look like it. 
Thank you so much yeah. for coming on, James. I really appreciate this. Um, and before you know, if before we let you go, have you got anything coming up? Because I'm sure you have. Um, so if there's anything you've got coming up that you're that you can speak about and plug, then feel free. Um, I've got a uh, big read on Dzerbi um, coming out tomorrow with my colleague who covers Brighton. Um, just kind of introduction um, to uh, to Dzerbismo. Um, and um, what else am I doing? Um, there's obviously Nations League. I'm bizarrely because Italy are no longer um, a team that goes to World Cups. Um, <laughs> I I have been told I will be covering Brazil at the World Cup. Oh, so, nice. Um, I'm going to Paris to to watch Brazil's two friendlies um, in the next few weeks. So, um, so yeah, I'm kind of doing stuff around the World Cup and around Brazil, really, um, mm. which is not my usual beat, but at the same time, something I'm quite excited by. So, yeah. yeah. Definitely. Check out um, James's work on The Athletic and BT Sports if you live in the UK for Golazzo Live together with James Richardson. And follow James on uh, Twitter on at, is it Horncastle only or is it James Horncastle? Oh, it's James Horncastle. Yeah. Thank you so much, James. Good to have you on. It's always a pleasure. Thanks, Nima. Thanks, Jake. Thanks, Mo. Take care, James. Yeah. Take care, guys. Right. Um, let's um, let's let's move on um, to uh, the part of the show where we pay tribute, rip the piss out of, and criticize someone or something heavily in the world of football. Starting with the positivity this week's Moratti, which will be uh, presented by Mr. Mohammed Nas. He's, he works a lot, he's intelligent, and he surprises uh, people sometimes with his uh, ideas. Not easy to find one person of this uh, qualities. Yet again, it's uh, Slim Slim Pickens. Um, I mean, honestly, guys, it's uh, a bit tongue-in-cheek, but it's also kind of true. My uh, Moratti of the Week is international break. Um, as much as last season's international break, uh, right before the, the end of the season, uh, I believe hampered our chances of winning a Scudetto. I don't think this international break could come early enough uh, for Inzaghi and the, the management and the squad and everyone. So I'm very happy that we don't have to play again uh, to post uh, the uh, Europa League or whatever it's called, the Nations League thing. And yeah, uh, let's see. Hopefully it's a good reset for, for everyone and uh, we come back uh, with our heads screwed on properly. Amen. Amen, Mo. Couldn't agree more. Right, let's move on to something much more negative this week's um, this week's uh, Moji, which I'll be presenting myself. Literally the entire situation at Inter. From, no, from Sunings, you know, the, the the financial diktat from them to Milan Skriniar's contract not being signed before the summer, his contract extension not sorted out before the extent uh, before the summer, to the comp- to the Samir Handanovic situation and Andre Onana not replacing him, to Stefan de Frey, who I think is a huge problem and I don't want to see play for Inter ever again, um, because I don't think he's good enough. And and he keeps showing it. He gets turned by mid t- mid table Serie A players now. Watch the Udinese game for the second goal, and you see what I mean. Um, to 
to the the entire atmosphere around the club right now from the fans being pissed off rightfully to literally not seeing any light at the end of the tunnel until sooning until a new buyer comes and i've got an exclusive on this coming up it's uh i'm not going to say too much on this so it's going to come up over the next couple of days about um the um, this about a rumored uh interest from uh uh from someone from 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 a conglomerate to buy uh, inter which i can i know it's not going to be them um but yeah no it's 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 not nice it's absolutely not nice and the 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 the, the situation at inter is this week's moji all of it every single every single you know recipe every single part of it is is this week's moji it's absolutely depressing right let's move on to something much more comical this week's uh, frog which will be presented by mr jake smalley I feel like I've almost set the bar a little too high in recent weeks um, <laughs> with some of my recent comments and this week's been a little bit of a harder week to sort of salvage anything that's been quite fun with the world perhaps being a bit of a flat place with certain events happening so uh, one thing that I found this week is something that no doubt a lot of people will have seen doing around on social media uh, <laughs> a referee during a game in the Czech Republic in Serbia, in fact, uh, that's me thinking about Victoria Pulsen again. <laughs> Probably to my head. Uh, a game in Serbia where the referee checked a supporter's phone to almost VAR a decision and overturn what he had seen. No, you're making you're making this can't be true. <laughs> no, no, this can't be true. No, you're making it up, mate. There's no, no way. I promise you, I've not been on the dark web again. No, it's, it's <laughs> no, it's it's true. Uh, support on the touchline, videoing uh, a key moment than that. The referee no, walks over and checks. This isn't true. This, this can't be true. <laughs> I'm afraid it is. <laughs> oh my god. Which 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 league is it? Like which is it first, second, like what tier is it? And who who's playing and what happened? What was the decision? The article that I found only describes as being a lower league German football. It's to disallow a goal. So a referee from lower a lower league Serbian side has gone viral for he overturned his decision to disallow a goal thanks to a fan's homemade VAR on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> it looks if a little bit like the manager of the opposing side is the one who set this up a little bit as well, watching the clip. So <laughs> the referee had originally decided to disallow a goal after the team in blue had hit home a goal from a free kick, but the player had looked onside. After many complaints from the team and no doubt the fans, the official went over to the fans to see what all the fuss was about. One of the crowd had clearly been recording the goal, and it was clear that the goal was, in fact, offside, leading to incredible scenes from the players. <laughs> well, <laughs> duh. Apparently, VAR is now available on the Google Play Store. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I don't even I I don't even know what I have no words for that. You no, know, you, you, this is fantastic. This is this is fro- like this is what I mean. You 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 find the best things like this. This is. This is fantastic, Jake. Absolutely <laughs> fantastic. 
that is amazing. There's just off the top of my head, there's so many violations going on there at once that I don't <laughs> even know where to begin. Yeah, no, well done, man. Brilliant. This is absolutely brilliant. Well done. That is that is a fantastic frog. Right. Um, that's all we have time for this week. I'd like to thank James Horncastle for coming on and Mo, he had to rush off. And I'd like to thank you, Jake. And when can we expect your your piece to be ready by this week when people can read it? Well, I'm hoping to uh, have the fishing touches done as soon as we finish recording. Really, oh. hopefully, maybe sort of Tuesday. To, uh, yeah, we're on oh. Tuesday tomorrow. I'm thrown by the bank holiday. I keep thinking it's Sunday in my head today. <laughs> it's absolutely thrown me this extra day. Mm. Well, I mean, it's a bank holiday because of the Queen's funeral, right? Yeah. Or is it something else? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Cool. So no, I'm just wondering. <laughs> no, just make just clarifying that for everyone who doesn't live in the UK um, and 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 doesn't know. Right. Uh, so thanks for that, Jake. That's brilliant. Uh, thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. I really enjoyed it once again. Uh, until next week, I hope you all have, I think, uh, I hope you all have a nice international break. If, you're, if your national team is playing, I hope they win. And uh, take care of yourselves. And remember, sempre e solo forza Inter.